I just want to say thank you, Darwin Shen, for being here. And um, I love that, that piece that you played after the prayer. And thank you, choir, for being here, because that just, um, I, could, I could listen to that piece all day, really. And just, you know, just get like deeper and deeper and more settled and just absolutely beautiful. Um, so this morning we're going to be focusing on our scripture passages. You'll see them there in your bulletin. A little bit later on in, in the message, and they're kind of integrated. And so, um, but to, to begin, I want to actually begin really with, with last week. Just back up for a moment to that. But last week, um, we talked about two extraordinarily simple points that when I shared them, I said, they help me keep grounded. Um, these two things help me regain my focus when I get knocked off track, which I do probably like you do multiple times a day. And they help to recreate a sense of calm when I repeat these things to myself and get back to them, especially when life starts spinning too fast, which it often does when I get knocked off course. And those two incredibly simple points that bring me back are one, for as complex as life can get sometimes, I remind myself and I actually say to myself, I'm here to be loving. That's simple. That's who I am at my core and I like to remember that because sometimes that does get lost in the shuffle. That's who and what I want to be. And that's true regardless of any situation. It's true with the easy times, and it's especially true really in the, in the challenging times to remind myself, you know, I'm here to be loving, good, bad, tough, or easy. And then second, the second thing is, I remember that <clears throat> who I am as a person is I'm here to help, helping others. That's also who and what I'm, I'm here for. And it's really that simple and that powerful, these two things. And remembering these gives me the greatest sense I know of purpose and pleasure and clarity. So this week, um, even though I didn't intend it, what happens with, um, with a sermon, with a message is it's, it's very organic and it just kind of evolves into um, this thing and I just kind of notice it happening and as it was evolving I realized that this week is kind of a continuation it's kind of a next step to to last week of sharing those things that helped me which of course and I was talking with somebody just before the service and I said you know what I share this because I think the things that help me hopefully are going to help you also and so this week we turn to things that help me in thinking about omnipotence. So I shared the title of that with somebody this week. And that person said, Paul, are you really going to talk about that in church? Omnipotence? And I said, I think you are thinking of a different word. That's, right? True, true. I said, it's omnipotence, omnipotence. I said, oh, okay, all right. And, and then she said, um, she said I, I, do you think that people you know, know that word? And I said, yeah, I certainly hope so. So, um, so uh, not to uh, insult anyone's intelligence, but just to clarify, just to clarify. 
because <laughs> it could be a really confusing message from this point on. Um, omnipotence comes from the omni, which means all, or pervasive, and potence, which is power, right? And so omnipotence is defined as an agency or force of unlimited power. Wow. Unlimited power. And I thought about this last week because last week, which is not, you know, untypical for uh, a week with me, but last week I was dealing with a number of crises. And I thought, <clears throat> you know, when I'm talking about being loving and being helpful as my guiding forces, there are two things about that that is really good to know. One is that I realize I have an endless capacity to love. And that's not incredible because you have an endless capacity to love. It's non-material, so you can't run out. It's a bottomless well. So don't be afraid to just love as much as you possibly can. It's spiritual. Now, you may think that it's finite because that has to do with the second part. And that is, two, while we have an endless capacity to love, I do not have an endless capacity to help. Because that is finite. And that's where we can get caught, <clears throat> where <clears throat> we are finite and we can run out of things. My time is finite. My abilities are finite. My resources are finite. My intelligence is finite. And when I run out of time or ability or resources, and I just don't know what to do, I try to remember not to shut down my love because that's not the problem. But sometimes when we feel it's too much, instead of recognizing that we just hit a wall with our help, sometimes we confuse that with our love, and instead we shut down our love to protect ourselves. We close our heart. And that might be the oncologist who sometimes people say, you know, cold bedside manner. And I think, what a rough, rough position to be in of delivering news time after time after time. It gets to be too much sometimes, you know? They don't have the abilities to heal everyone, and it becomes daunting. And so the bedside manner becomes shut down the heart so you can function. Now, that happens to each one of us in different ways, of feeling overwhelmed sometimes, because it's hard to stay open emotionally, and at the same time, with finite abilities to help, to, to have an open heart, and then sometimes even to say to ourselves, that's all I've got. That's all I've got. So sometimes we actually do need to shut down for a time our help, to recharge our finite stores and resources. Now in hearing that, 
I will bet you that there's a more than a few of you who are hitting your mental brakes and going, are you kidding? Is this guy a real minister saying that? Saying that sometimes you have to hit the brakes on help? Strange thing for a minister to say. And here's what I mean. Today we're going to look at some scripture passages that we have. And these just really just graze the tip of the iceberg of so many different times when, when Jesus hit the wall and he had to deal with finite abilities himself. We don't think of him that way. That's what happened. And we're going to look at this issue of omnipotence. First of all, Paul, can you use omnipotence in a sentence? Yes, I can. <laughs> yes, I can. Omnipotence is what I could have used more of last week, but didn't have. Omnipotence. We've all had these weeks, you know. In spite of multiple 13-hour days, you know, I still need another two to get everything done. You know what that's like. We've all had times like that because we're human. We work with finite limitations of resources, time, energy. Omnipotence is something I wish I had, but I don't, and neither do you. Then, as we know, there are some associated words that go along with omnipotence, and that is omniscience, which means all-knowing. That would be nice. That would be great. Why didn't you know that I was thinking that? That could help in some relationships. Omnicompetent, that's, that's an actual word. I was looking up all the omni words. Omnicompetent, the ability to handle any situation. How nice. That word is humanly impossible. <laughs> so I'm I was fascinated when I'm looking at that word. It's like, that's really interesting because that word is a fallacy. Um, talk about building unrealistic expectations. My God. It doesn't exist, and yet it's, it's a real word. Can I use that one in a sentence? Yes, I can. Jane was very competent. But because she thought she should be omnicompetent, she was often stressed out and didn't value many of the things that she actually did accomplish. And that severely marred her life satisfaction. Omnicompetent. There's another one, omnipresent. Being able to be in all places, multiple places at one time. Wouldn't that be handy? Wouldn't that be a great power? You know, being fully present with, with, your, with a, you know, your child's game or being fully present with your family, somebody you love, and still being able to get all of your work done at the same time. Many people try to practice this power as if they have it. It's godlike, and that has led to many a relationship and even family breakdown and disappointment. So for as much as we rationally know that we, we don't have the capacity for any of these things, omnipotence, omnicompetence, omniscience, omnipresence, for as much as we know that up here, on a personal and experiential level, on an emotional stress level, 
we are often wrestling with feeling like we should have these powers. Why don't we have these powers? Why can't I get everything done? Why can't I bend time and create more of it? And that's reflected in our feelings of frustration, helplessness, irritation, aggravation, disappointment, feelings of failure. Feelings of, you know, why can't I bend people's minds? Why can't I convince them of what they need to know? We fall short. Jesus dealt with these things. That's the cool thing. That is what I absolutely love, is that he dealt with these things. So I'm trained and equipped to deal with a lot of life issues. But I was thinking about this, and when I began my ministry, <clears throat> I actually didn't realize, I don't know why, but I, I didn't realize that professionals who were trained to do all sorts of stuff had to then deal with emotional blowback that they would experience because they had limited powers when they come face to face with things that they were not omnipotently equipped to deal with. And they faced failure and they came up short. I didn't realize that professionals dealt with this stuff. So, 35 plus years ago when I was beginning my ministry, in our church there was a guy who was a firefighter and he was a really cheery guy. And um, there was a fire in town in which he was involved in a rescuer and he went out and, um, and a child died because he wasn't able to rescue that child. His powers was limited. And I remember I was actually surprised when I was talking to him about this, professional firefighter, to learn that this guy was devastated. He, he was wrecked inside as a fully trained and competent professional, deeply traumatized. I never thought of that before. I, you know, I looked at these, you know, I looked at men and women and in uniforms, you know in their roles, and I thought, well, they're trained, right? They should, you know, they, I guess they just handle this stuff. Firefighters, police, EMTs. How about doctors? I talk to doctors who get traumatized by what they have to deal with sometimes. They're acting really cool. But they're not any more omni than you or I are. How about, how, about, how about wait staff on a busy Saturday night? <laughs> I ordered this meal 10 minutes ago, right? Do they get harmed as human beings when, when they get treated that they should be more omni than they actually are, more than they can handle? Flight attendants? Funeral home directors. I spend time with funeral directors who get traumatized sometimes with what they have to deal with, especially young people. And how about our kids' teachers? How about that one? Think about what we demand, and I do mean demand sometimes, from them. People who work at a bank, you know, I think about this. Uh, 
you know, and there are the hourly employees, right, who are on the other end of the telephone. They're not making the policies. They're not hiring too few people, so you have to wait on the line for 45 minutes. And then you get to them who didn't create this system, and you're like, I've been on this phone for 45 minutes. They're like, oh my God. Not feeling very omni. How about moms? How about moms at the end of the day? After dealing with a zillion things, might not be feeling very omni, but might be feeling like they should be a little bit more able to handle everything. And dads, great little reminder, I think, that in spite of professional and personal roles that we have, we create certain sets of expectations for other people and we also do for ourselves. What should we be able to do? What should we be able to handle? Behind every role, there is a person who is not omnipotent. We're all just doing the best we can, folks. So I'm walking down the streets of Southport the other day, and I'm heading one way, another church member is heading the other way. <clears throat> we didn't literally bump into each other, but we bumped into each other. We started talking. We started talking about, um, you know, we're both working on trying to help another person who's navigating some really difficult life issues and choices. And uh, as we know, it can be a really stressful thing to be trying to help somebody um, make right choices to kind of help change their minds, especially when you have limited powers, right? Limited powers have been able to reach in and change people's minds. And it's stressful because when you're genuinely a loving person, you're trying to help somebody, you want everything to go right. You want to do everything you can do. You want that, that person you're caring for to everything turn out the best way it possibly can with least amount of pain, trauma, struggle, suffering, and stuff. And then we run into a lot of things that we don't have control over, limited power. And sometimes one of those many things is the person who we're trying to help isn't really receptive to maybe making the best decisions, or at least not the ones that we would like them to make. I run into that a lot. I will get a call from a family member. It's like, can you please talk to my mother? Can you please talk to my child? Can you please help them realize that they need to fill in the blank? A lot of times it has to do with, can you please help them realize that they need to get into a nursing care center or assisted living or something like that? Something that they don't want to do. <laughs> it's outside of their power. And the folks say to me a lot of times, you know what, they're going to get hurt. They don't want to do this, they're going to fall, and they're going to get hurt. And you know what, sometimes that's true. And that's what I have to say sometimes. That's not because I'm cold. One of the things that I think is so supportive of us being human and not omnipotent is learning that Jesus sometimes had to deal with so many things. We think of him as all-powerful. There was so much stuff that he couldn't control. 
including other people's decisions, other people's behavior. Finite resources, persuasion being one of them. We might not have an endless bucket of money to be able to help the person who needs a certain amount of help. We can't control another person's luck or genetic background or bad behavior. We can't control who gets cancer and why some people make decisions over and over that seem to create even more problems. Jesus dealt with all of these things. Like when we're trying to help, but the outcome you want isn't happening, and you're feeling that stress, my God, why doesn't this happen? I feel out of control, anxious, depressed, falling short. What do you do about that? How do you deal with when you try your best and you fail? How does that feel? That, by the way, is actually at the heart of a lot of our faith. So, we have tremendous power. Jesus had tremendous power. But there were some things that he couldn't control, things that did not go his way. True for him. And so if it's true for him, what does that say about us? There are some things that he tried and couldn't do. What does that say about us? We might think of this as life and death situations. Sometimes it has to do with what college do you get into? Some under our control. Sometimes they're looking for so many male, female in this area looking for people who played this sport, that sport. And people hang their whole lives sometimes on I didn't get in there. That's got nothing to do with you. Why doesn't the person I love love me back? Out of your control. Why didn't I get that job? Why did I get this illness? Why do some people live longer than I do? Why do my bone, my joints need to be replaced? Your joints don't need to be replaced. Why can't I motivate this person I love to clean up their act? So let's look at our scripture. How does Jesus deal with, I can't control a lot of outcomes? There are a few of the scenarios that, that I think about. Passage number one, how does Jesus deal with, and he, here he's instructing his disciples to, to, what is he instructing them to do? What to deal with? Rejection. What are you going to do when you go into a town and you're trying your best and people say, get out of here, you bum? Are you kidding? What is that going to do for me? This doesn't do anything for me. 
How do you deal with that? Matthew 10, 14, he said, we can all read this one together if you're looking at it. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet as you leave that house or town. What great advice. Just keep moving. Just keep moving. He's the Messiah. He experienced this personally in so many situations. There's one that I did include here. It's from Mark 6, 4. You could look it up. I actually shared this with somebody, I don't know, last week or two weeks ago, where Jesus said, referring to his own experience, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. (laughs) And he's referring to how he was treated when he went back to Nazareth. Get out of here, you bum. We know who you are. So I talked to a lot of people. Um, a lot of times this happens after big holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas. People say, I'm 50 years old, and I go home, and my parents are treating me like I'm 15 years old. That happened to Laura and I. We'd go visit her parents, my parents. We had four kids, you know, responsible job. You people think I'm competent. And they would say things like, Paul, Laura, remember to turn the lights off. You know how to use the dishwasher? You know. Like, uh, Jesus says, you know what? Join the club. Join the club. You don't control your parents. Just keep going. Mark 10, 17 through 22. Let's read this one together. Mark 10, 17 through 22. As Jesus was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, You know the commandments. The man said to Jesus, Teacher, all these I have observed from my youth. And Jesus, looking upon him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go sell what you have and give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. And come follow me. And at that saying, the man's countenance fell, and he went away sorrowful. End of story. (laughs) What's missing? The man didn't change. He's face to face with the greatest persuader and most powerful, insightful person in history. And the man didn't change. He wasn't persuaded by Jesus. Jesus fell short. He failed. What did Jesus do? And what did Jesus not do? Which was really interesting. Jesus did not, as we read, he did not go running after the person, trying to explain himself again, saying, hey, wait a minute, whoa, 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 not so fast. You know what? Maybe it was all too much at once, the selling everything. Maybe we can do this in installments. Maybe we can do this in pieces, steps. Let's negotiate. Come back. Let's sit down. Wait, I can help you. And the man walked away. And Jesus let the man go. Because Jesus, even with all of his powers, tremendous influence, deep love to help and heal, couldn't or didn't, he didn't connect with every person. I think about that. Honestly, that kind of blows my mind. Face to face with the one, and he couldn't deliver. His aura, words, presence, power, something failed. Or maybe, 
maybe, maybe he let the person fail and then let them go. We can't reach everybody, we can't help everybody, we can't protect everybody. Sometimes we fail. We're not omnipotent. And that's not a personal failure when that happens. It happened to Jesus. If it can happen to him, what does that say about us and our expectations of ourselves and others? Are you more powerful than the Holy One, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords? I need to remind myself of that again and again. And I help others and remind other people of that. Coming to terms with that, not here, but coming to terms with that here are two very, very different things. When I fail and fall short, I lack power. And there's Matthew 27, 12 through 14. What do you do when you've done all the right things? I hear from these people all the time. You are 100% in the right. You, all you deserve is, is fairness. You deserve goodness. And yet, what do you get back? Betrayal. Somebody close to you turns their back. Completely undeserved. You're being treated unfairly. You get cancer. Just walking around, minding my own business, for God's sake, and then boom, that happens. Didn't get the job. I was fully qualified. Talk to people, it's like, I've had the last four job interviews, and I'm down to the second person, and it didn't come through. Literally, literally happens to the best of us because we're not all powerful. And apparently, even if we were like Jesus, that still didn't stop some things, like aging. That's the last passage. Time marches on. You can read that last passage on your own about aging. It's really powerful. It's not really pretty. Not welcoming words. He would tell us the truth, whether it was pretty or not, whether we wanted to hear it or not. He's saying, you know, why should you be treated any differently than any other single human being who's ever walked the face of the, this earth for the last six million years? John 28, 21, 18. Equipping us for every step along the way, telling us the truth, laying it out. And I love him for that. not all powerful, so don't expect yourself or others. And when you come to terms with that emotionally, that's a freeing thing. That's a very freeing thing. When I realize that I've been given a gift, and when I realize that God is God, I do my best, but I don't have God's power to be all controlling. That frees me to do all I can do and to be all I can be and then really leave the rest to God. And that is faith. And that is peace. And that is comfort. 
and that is strength. And that is what Jesus wishes for you. Amen.